Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Come on, lift up your voice. We're going to step in right here, and that was a great, great word. I don't, if I don't preach, I think that that would, uh, that would be sufficient for today. You know, this has been a month where we've taken the time to set aside. We call it November Fast, but it's a season for getting ourselves aligned with the King. Amen. As we look towards today, tomorrow, and the new year, this has been a season of 30 days, prayer and fasting, stepping into Scripture. Appreciate all of you who are participating in that process. If you haven't jumped in, jump in this week. So, so valuable to set aside some of regular activities, to have time to get to alone with the Lord, and to maybe give, get rid of some of those things in our lives that feed our flesh. When our flesh is alive and vibrant, it wants to take over and actually squelch out the voice of God. But what a great season to be able to press in. I loved it on Thursday night. Our church showed up big time here in this room for prayer. And man, we took ground. And I believe that some things shifted because God answers prayer. And prayer and fasting helps to set the way. Well, we're in a series entitled Showdown. We're going to pray in just a moment. Uh, You know that this is a series that is allowing us to focus on some of those uh, consistent uh, showdowns that show up in our life that are worth fighting as believers. And I shared I grew up at the drive-in with my parents on Friday nights, and if it was a good weekend, they were doing well financially on Saturday nights as well. And we watched a lot of Westerns, and during those Westerns, there was always inevitably some bad guys harassing the people of a little town in the middle of nowhere, And the good guys would show up in town to see what's going on. And the townspeople were too afraid to do anything. They didn't have the money to hire someone who wasn't afraid. But eventually the good guy would step into the moment. And he would do battle on behalf of everyone and save the people and save the town. And this is a storyline that we see all throughout scripture. And it's a storyline that you will observe in your own life. Those moments where there are biblical showdowns especially as intersect our lives with the word of God and the promises of God. So today, I want to talk to you about the showdown with the distorted view that fear creates. Okay? I want to talk to you about that. Hand over your heart. We're going to pray just really quick. Let me read this verse over you. It says, and and this is the first example biblically of fear. And I want you to notice as you look at this, when the, the voice of fear is distorted, it causes people to go in the exact opposite direction than where the help is. Genesis 3, 8 and through 10, Adam had just sinned, and it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. And I hid myself because I was naked. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray that you would allow us, Father, to hear this truth that really resonates out of this portion of scripture. Father, fear is a built-in thing in our lives that has a practical use. But when it is, when it is exacerbated, when it is pressed by the enemy, It becomes the very thing that keeps us from all the good things that you have for us. And so this morning, we pray over everyone in this room, everyone who is listening, to be able to lean forward, God, and to believe you in those moments when fear would be pressed upon by a distortion of facts and details. Allow us to pursue after truth and see truth established in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. 
And everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand as you're seated and as you're at home. We're going to dive into the scripture and jump into this topic. Uh, you know, you have a built-in mechanism for your survival, and it is the, the mechanism of fear. I don't think it'll be something needed in heaven, but I do believe it was something placed in man by God as he stepped out of covenant with God and faced the realities of the world that he would live in. And that fear works well when we see something dangerous. We experience the emotion of fear. It could be in a situation where you are looking at an extreme height or you see fire or there's a large angry animal that's staring you down in the middle of your hiking trip. That fear is meant to be a, a, a component for self-preservation. But I do want you to understand that anything good that God gives us can also be exploited by the wicked one. If you look in scripture, you see that happen over and over. And I believe that fear can be exploited by the enemy in our lives. You know, there's a series of events that happens. The first thing that we experience is we face a challenge. It could be a moment. It could be a, a question of opportunity. It could be a decision. But we experience a challenge. And how many of you know challenges don't have guaranteed outcomes? Anybody? You're alive? You're, mine aren't, anyways. And so after we experience challenge, oftentimes the challenge experience a distortion. I don't know if you as a kid ever did uh, shadow uh, plays on the wall, but you could take a little tiny toy soldier and shoot the flashlight just in the correct fashion. And man, the projection, the distorted view of the reality made something larger than life. And you could scare your friends with that shadow. It made something seem really big that was actually quite insignificant. You know, as a kid, my grandparents would take us to camping I, we lived in Bristol, Connecticut at the time, but we would go camping in a little town called Granville, Massachusetts. And the first time we ever pulled up into this state campground, there was a monument on the side of the road as we went to cross over a wooden bridge. And as we got out of the vehicle to take pictures, they began to explain that this was a monument erected for a little boy who, while driving a wagon, had tipped over the hill and he had died. Uh, for me, as a five, six, seven-year-old, this was a very scary moment. Although there is nothing on this earth at that space and in that time that could negatively impact me, the closer we got to the monument, the more my fear built up. Because I just imagined that this was a spot where any young boy would topple down the hill and his life would be over. And it's probably the one time that I have that recollection as a child where my fear was unfounded, but I, I was overcome by it and began to panic very, very clearly to my family. And like any parent, they're trying to calm me down. There is no reason to be afraid, but you could not get that through to my mind. You know, fear is the tactic of any army that has ever fought on this planet. You understand that? You understand the power of fear in an opponent. In fact, as you read scripture, Judges chapter 7, we know the story about Gideon. And Gideon only had 300 men to fight this huge army. God even took advantage of this tactic. He told Gideon to go about fighting the enemy, guess where? In the dark in the middle of the night, and do, do, do this. And he went on to explain in the book of Judges chapter 70 that the way to really take this opponent, which was massive, was to circle around them, number one. Number two, in the dark, because how many of you know boom in the dark is a lot different than boom in the, in the daylight? 
Just me or is that, okay. So he said, get around them. Then the, the next thing you want to do is everyone get a trumpet. 300 trumpets. I'm going to tell you what, a trumpet at three o'clock in the morning in my bedroom, is it's either Jesus or it's the devil. I'm not sure which, but it's going to scare the daylights out of me. I'm waking up anyways. 300 trumpets in the middle of the night is another thing. And so every warrior took a trumpet and then he took a glass jar with a torch in it. Now, the purpose of that was not so that he could see where he was going. It was to take that, that, that little container, and at the right moment, as they blew their trumpets and shouted at the top of their lungs to smash that little globe of light on the ground because the components all added together would strike fear into the enemy. And absolutely as God commanded, the men did, and the outcome was amazing. As soon as they encircled this, this entire army quietly... And they shouted at the top of their lungs, blew their trumpets, and slammed these glass torches on the ground. And they exploded and created fire everywhere. The, war, the warriors who were encircled experienced panic. And the Bible says the enemy began to turn on themselves. This is a, a challenge for you today. When fear comes, often we turn on ourselves. Beware of that. The enemy's exploiting something. There's something drawn out of proportion. And so in the process, these people turned on themselves and fled, and God's 300 warriors whooped the tail of a significant enemy. And so we see that through Scripture. It's when the challenge is distorted, it causes it to appear larger than it otherwise would appear. Okay? That is just how life works. Distortions, though, understand this, are deceptions. And what does a deception sound like it's been written by? You tracking with my thought process here? A distortion is an untruth. Who is the father of untruths? It's the work of the enemy in your life. And I would challenge you to recognize when distortion is pressing upon a truth to cause it to seem much more dangerous than it actually is. That monument on the bridge could have been a great family picture. I spent hours this week searching for a picture of that monument. I could not find one. How awesome that would have been to see up behind me. And not only can I not find one on the internet, there is no picture in my family records because I was panicking as a child. And so a great moment was robbed. Distortions are deceptions, and you mark this down. That is where the enemy plays his most strategic warfare in our lives. The third thing that happens is the distortion activates that mechanism we call fear. Do you know that fear is just simply an emotional response? And I want you to know this. When you experience fear, when you experience the emotion of fear, there is absolutely nothing wrong with you. Fear is not the not, it does not mean that you are not a man of faith. Do you know that every great warrior experiences fear? It's an emotion that shows up as sure as you have a pulse and you have two eyes because you observe a distortion. It's a built-in mechanism, so we experience fear. Even the most heroic people that you read about in the Bible, they experience fear, absolutely. Fear is not a lack of faith. But here is the next step in this equation, is after we experience fear, there is a decision that is to be made. Every time you experience a moment of fear, 
it is followed by a decision. It could happen immediately. It could happen over time, over several weeks. could be even over several months and several years. It is the decision to either, one, grab fear and put it on a, as a coat. The difference between fear and the experience of being afraid is simply your response, your decision to honor the the uh, radically embellished version of the challenge as real. Fear is the decision to put on deception's cloak and serve the deception, to serve the, the distortion of what has been presented to you. Or it can be the decision to step into courage. Now we see that all over scripture. In the light of fear, courage shows up. Courage does not exist in a vacuum where there is no fear. Courage can only arise in the moment that fear steps before us. And in that moment, a decision has to be made. And courage recognizes the distortion. It sees the giant toy soldier on the wall, but it sees beyond it and knows that this is a distortion of the truth. And so what I want to talk to you, especially today, is, is understanding and functioning with that in mind, especially as it applies to the distortions that are argued against in scripture based on God's word. So the challenge becomes to see the distortion for what it is. It's actually a, an attack on God's best for your life. And know this, it could be one-off experiences, like my experience on the bridge going into the Granville campground, or it could be your ongoing experience as dealing with maybe a person in your life. Remember the Old Testament as uh, the prophet Elijah began to have success. A woman shows up on the scene, the queen, who really had no power politically at that time. But as Elijah was successful, she said, let me tell you what, if by the end of today you aren't dead, I'm not queen. And her words, because they were so effective at distorting caused fear within Elijah. And you read through the story, he responded to the fear and it drove him into the wilderness. It drove him right out of his ministry. And so there can be these ongoing exploited strongholds placed in our life based on the distortions through people or circumstances over a prolonged period of time. Okay. So I want to, are you, are you good to go? Yeah. Is this too early for you? No. You're going to need to come back for the rerun. Okay. So I want to talk to you about three specific fears that I have faced in this season, and probably you are as well. And they're not uncommon for any other season. I don't want you to think because of this season that we're in, they only apply here, or that my goal in speaking this to you would be for just this moment. These are several showdowns that need to take place on a regular basis. Number one, I want to challenge you to fight the showdown of a bad outcome. There's going to be moments when you face a circumstance, and you look at it, and you begin to question the what-ifs. What if I make the wrong decision? What if I go about doing the wrong thing? And I especially want you to see these circumstances when there's a, a challenge to get us to ignore doing it God's way because God's way may not work. You understand what I'm talking about? It's a circumstance where you're called upon to do it God's way, and yet you experience the fear of if I do it God's way, maybe this doesn't work out. You ever been there? You ever been there when you placed your money in the offering plate? You ever done it when you've had to write down and fill out a resume and you felt like your resume might not get you the job and so you began to consider embellishing your resume? 
or when you were applying for the loan and you thought about leaving certain things off or answering incorrectly so that you could possibly have a better chance of getting the loan. Is this just me or is this, this people inside this house? I got eye contact with all of you at home and in here. This is real life. There are these moments where we are faced with telling the truth or deceiving, and our minds begin to play this really quick game of the outcome that I desire may not happen if I do the right thing. Specifically, if I stick with what God says, this might not work out in my favor. Exodus chapter 16, verse 19, real simple story. God said, I'm going to provide for you. Some manna is going to rain down from the sky. They're like, what is that? Manna, that's what the word manna means. What is it? And so he instructed the people, when it rains, this, this stuff looks like flakes. Go out in the morning time, gather enough for your family. Eat it that day. Do not save it for the next day. Well, why can't we save it for the next day? Because I said so. Listen, God doesn't need to explain to us all the reasons why. He doesn't have the time in many cases why you shouldn't do the thing. He's not trying to keep you from winning the prize. He's actually trying to help you win the prize. But he doesn't go through the long list. And so sometimes God just says, because I said so. But of course, there were some people that went out that morning like, this is a miracle. There's food. This is the one time God is capable of doing a miracle. So I'm going to gather as much as I can. Get extra, sweetheart. Get the kids. Get extra Ziploc baggies. Load them up. Get a garbage bag. And then they eat. And they're, they're like practically ready to vomit. They've eaten so much. And they decide, let's store some underneath the beds in the tent. And sure enough, what happens is you read through that portion of scripture. They get up the next day. And as promised, the stuff that they saved for the next day turns to maggots and worms. You know, it always works to follow God's word. Because when you get a trash bag of worms underneath your bed and you've opened them up, how many of you know well, that will have an impact on the mojo in your house, right? You tracking with me? Yeah. Okay, a nasty, foul odor, and then your neighbors know that you didn't follow the rules, and your kids observe that you didn't follow the rules. And why did you save it overnight? Because you didn't trust that God's math equation would work out. That's a simple example. I know you're saying, oh, I would have never saved extra. Ah, I'm not so sure. So there's a key that I would say to you. Honor God's word and his word will honor you every single time. It may not, <laughs> I used to hear there was a, a female preacher in our Bible college, and she would, she, Sister Wiggins, she'd get down, she, that may be tight, but it's right. And that's the truth. There are moments where God's word feels so tight. And yet in honoring God's word, we find ourselves actually arriving at better outcomes than we ever dreamed. You see that person standing before you, young person? You think, that's the only person that will ever love me. But they don't meet the criteria of what God lays out in his word. And so you decide God needs a little help. And so you press in and you capture a substitute prize. And then you spend a lot of years with a lot of regret because you got to make a substitute work. Anybody ever bought uh, knockoffs online? You didn't buy the Ray-Bans. You bought the Re-Beans, Okay. <laughs> And re-beans stink for a long time. Okay, let me move on to the next one. Showdown with the uh, second showdown I want to talk to you about is the fear of injury and death. These are very real. And they pressure to, to make us avoid risks associated with winning God's best. 
I want to tell you something. There is nothing achieved in this lifetime that will be easy. There's no couch rides in to promised lands. Everything in this earth will have to be fought for, and it will cost you something. Definitely discomfort, if nothing else. I have never, I don't think the world has ever experienced a group of people more idolatrous of their own personal comfort than the world and the place that we live in today. The fact that it's too uncomfortable for me to reach out and turn my radio in my car, I have to be handed a remote so that I wouldn't have to stretch all that way. I mean, I could experience remote fatigue because we've got to place a name on everything that we experience these days. Remote fatigue. I experienced embarrassment transfer reading your post. It's like the ridiculous levels of things that we like to draw. Uh, uh, I'm feeling like double barrels coming out today. Listen, you might want to turn us off right now because I'm about to go some probably places that are uncomfortable. But... But it pressures us to avoid taking risks and ultimately winning God's best. You know, God said, send some men into the land to spy out the land, not to see if we can take the land. God said in Numbers chapter 13, I'm giving you the land. Send the men in so that we can figure out the best way. Let's use wisdom and knowledge to inform our faith. Don't just march in there with no plan. God said, I promise you, you can take this land. Now go in and spy it out. Not go in and figure out, can we win the land or not? But fear will cause distortions and, and, and project back to you that God's promises are not achievable. That God's bests are not experienceable. That in fact, to honor God is not possible because the distortions appear so big. But you read in the book of Numbers chapter 13 and further on, the men go in and they see how big the giants are. They see how big the obstacles are, how big the walls on the city are. They're, they are simply projections to distort God's truth. And what happens? They raise this big, sad song when they come back and say, and say we are not able. You understand that's a decision while looking at the distortion of fear. There are 10 men who went in who came back with that report. We are not able. Let me tell you something right now today in the world that we live in. I hear more we are not ables than I hear anything else. It is the song of the universe. It is the song of the wicked one. It is the song of the enemy against the promises of God in your life. The enemy will always say we are not able. And I call on courage to arise. Courage is locked in with the word of God. It says in spite of those fictitious shadows, I know what God has said. And at this moment, I choose to believe God. I choose to believe God. I choose to believe God. I love Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, they said, we are able. I know the giants are big, but we are able. The, uh, the, the stirring up of a we are able moment. That doesn't mean we skydive off bridges without parachutes. You know what I mean? It's, there, there's an issue of safety. That's why God sent them in. Figure out the best way to take the land, but go take the land. Look at your land and don't be intimidated when you see your land. 
There will be a lot of people that say we are not able. In fact, there are people who will say you are not able because your lack of ability makes you a slave to their world. I'm telling you. There are some things I highly recommend going to the doctor for, and I appreciate doctors. This is not a slam against them. But there are some in the scientific world who have different agendas than just the science who would love for you to spend a life on medication. Oh, not in America? I'm telling you something. You cannot believe every science because science is funded by agendas. I want you to listen to this. I'm not here to argue current moments in the season that we're in. I'm here to speak clearly about the things that will be held over your life. They will usher in fear and say that we are not able. And it leans also into the fact that, you know what, because you might sprain your elbow as you go to change the channel, so use the remote. Somebody makes money off the remote. You know, there was a day and age where we didn't have radios and people learned to make their own music. You know what it does? We are so pain adverse. We are so afraid of dying. And it absolutely robs Jesus conquering of death, hell, and the grave as prerequisites for our life. I'm going to say that again. To say that it's not the heart of God for us to experience any pain. We, shouldn't, we should avoid pain at all costs is to rob Jesus of his very arrival on this planet. Jesus endured the suffering, the pain for one cause, so that you could experience best. And there are moments where your fear will be pressed into by the distortion of truth to keep you from fighting the very battle that absolutely grabs onto God's best for your life. Everything that you want in this lifetime will come by a fight. Everything that God has for you will come with a fight. You know... We, as a nation, have honored people who have been courageous in battle. We celebrated Veterans Day. We celebrated D-Day. We celebrate all sorts of moments where we celebrate people who were drafted, didn't sign up, in some cases did sign up, step out onto the front lines of battle. And yes, they had a family at home. Yes, in many cases, they have children to take care of. But the greater good caused them to risk even injury and death so that the greater good could be accomplished. Noble wars were fought to protect the underdog. Young men sent into battle to fight for someone else. And when faced with death, we honor the look of courage that says, let's go. We never celebrate a movie where the guy's like, ah, and they turn around and run away. Not too many movies made about the other 10 spies. Name a single one for me. You can't because they're not someone that we admire. I challenge you in this season to summon courage because the enemy's greatest tactic is to get you to see images on the wall and hunker down and live in fear. I didn't say don't live responsibly or wisely. Don't juggle chainsaws. You hearing me? You, if you're at risk, protect yourself. 
from being at risk. I experienced a tremendously sad thing a few months back. I was in Frisco, and, uh, and it was several months into all what we're doing. And down in Texas, they're, they're a different breed of people, and I kind of like those people. And uh, in the process, we drove by a house in this beautiful neighborhood. People were out. You know, they were respectful, but they were enjoying one another's company and influence and interactions as, as neighbors should, experiencing life. And in the process, we drove by a house, and the door was open a foot. And I asked my friend Bob Carlson, I said, Bob, what's going on there? And he explained, that family has literally not left the four corners, not of their property, of their home. And they have multiple small children. The doors are up this high so that Uber Eats can deliver food and they can slide it under the door. And then they don't even touch the food for 24 hours. Okay, now listen, this is a season to be wise and to be protective of people, especially people at risk. We honor that. We don't make fun of that. We honor that. But I want to tell you what, there's something bigger and more dangerous than death, and it's called not living while you're still alive. And the dangers of functioning that way will impact children, especially small children, for generations to come. Generations to come. I got so much more I just really want to say. Let me just, can I, can I deviate just a little bit? I've, I'm probably going to run over time just a little bit. What time is it? Okay. Let me say something to you moms and dads who have small children. It's okay if your child experiences some physical pain. I remember when Leslie was our firstborn, and oh, strap her in the car seat so no one at church tries to pick her up because these people have never handled a child as precious as this. We have to protect her. I'm not kidding. We did that. Strapped her in, carried her in the basket that way. Can I hold her? Oh, she's actually strapped in. We had a built-in excuse. By the third one, it's here. Who wants to hold this child? We are doing that, right? But I want to tell you something. There comes that moment when your child is a toddler and they're sitting on the edge of the couch. And you as a parent are like, no, 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 I need to catch them. They're going to tip off there. I remember the moment when Leslie began to tip, and she, were, she was closer to me than she was to mom. And mom said, Steve, Steve. And I'm like, this is a great learning moment. <laughs> Poof. <laughs> you can't protect your child from every danger. And I want to warn you, you shouldn't either. Because in protecting your child from every danger, you will actually rob them of developing the strength to function in this world. You know the problem with, uh, as uh, I won't say problem, I will say, I'll say it respectfully. After we're all done isolating, We have to go out into the world that still has a virus. I'm not saying be crazy, be risky, lick doorknobs. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there are certain things that we build strength. You know what I've been doing during this season? Fighting, praying, exercising, building up my strength, taking up my vitamins. Because this ain't the first virus and it won't be the last. They discovered the bubonic plague in some squir a squirrel, I think in France and in some other animal here. In, in, in one of the Midwest states this year. We don't want to play around with that, but what I'm, my point is that we fight to overcome the things that would threaten us. 
Don't rob your kids of the opportunity to push out of their cocoon and be transformed from caterpillars into the butterflies that God has created them to be. Don't keep saving them to the point that they can't experience the salvation of the living God. Come on. I don't have time to get into this. I guess in the second service, I'll press into this one. The fear of man's opinion. Man, we are living in a day. Take 10 pictures, throw away nine so that we can get the best version of us. Why? Because I got to get as many likes as possible. I think if social media were to disappear tomorrow, not a whole lot would be lost. I think people would start walking in a real sense of value and maybe begin to focus on the real value that matters most. What does God think about me? Because, you know, you can do all the things that make people like you, and the danger in that moment is you actually begin to do things that dishonor God in order to win the honor of men. That is a dangerous game to play. You remember, um, Jennifer talked about it this morning, Daniel, three young men, fiery furnace. They looked at the king and said, your affection's not first on my list, and I'm willing to risk. He said, God is able to save us from the fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, you need to develop a but even if he doesn't kind of attitude. God will vindicate your cause over the long haul. But even if he doesn't, to strive for the affection of heaven is much better than the affection of people on this earth because this earth is as fickle as they are on the day Jesus enters into Jerusalem and they're throwing down their palm fronds and they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 48 hours, crucify, crucify, crucify. And that's what man's opinion will get you in the world that we live in. It's important to have a good reputation. But when you go to the extreme, you'll find that that extreme is a distortion and will let you down. Why don't you stand with me? I want to pray over you today just to simply be cognizant of the moment of distortion. Maybe you're experiencing some of that right now in your life. There's distortion and you experience fear and panic. Maybe it's when your kids go off to school, so you don't want to let them. Or it's a fear to speak up and call something that's wrong, wrong to a friend or a spouse. What will they think? Who am I to say something? I want to challenge you that as you face the distortion of what really is, that you'll summon courage. Come on, pray with me for a moment. Father, I'm asking you right now, Let faith arise within me. Let me be a man of courage. Let me be a woman of courage, a family of courage. Let me lead my family courageously. Let me lead my life courageously. Father, locked into what you say and what your truths are. There's wisdom there. Doesn't mean just all John waning it all through life. There's times where we take off the guns and we lay them down. But Lord, there are are issues in our lives that in order to experience your very best, we are going to have to decide in a moment of fear to trust you. God, to trust the math equation that you've written out, 
that if we march around this city without saying a word, without being distracted, that ultimately the walls will fall. Why? Because that's what you said. It makes no military sense. But God, it's what you said. And I'm going to trust you. Father, right now, let me be a man. Come on, pray this with me. I want to be a man of courage. I want to be a woman of courage. I want to be a child of courage. I want to walk courageously in a world that its mantra is fear, that it portrays fear at every corner, that I want to step into my life courageous, not overbearing, not belligerent, but courageous, recognizing true threats and yet not blinking, confident he that is for me is greater than he that is against me. And let me push that out of my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray said amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.